Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Broadcasting location. This is a test. For the next 60 seconds, this station will conduct a test of the emergency broadcast system. America, here comes the relief from the pain. Unapologetically, this is Lock and Load with Bill Brady. Number two. This is Lock and Load. For some reason, Barack Obama is back in the news again. I don't quite understand that at all. I mean, he's one of those ex-presidents who's been out there. He's been getting paid big bucks. He got paid $50 million by Netflix after he uh, gifted everybody net neutrality under his watch. And uh, he hasn't really done anything. He hasn't produced anything, any content at all. And he's always one for the, uh, hmm, how, how to put it? Let's call it the lame platitude. And last week, he suggested that gun controls become too politicized and that firearms should be regulated like motor vehicles. <laughs> Which, uh, that would be an interesting thing. He was uh, speaking with CBS Mornings, and he offered something of a kinder, gentler version of his 2008 bitter clinger statement, opining. I think I think somehow there are, are a lot of historical reasons for this. Gun ownership in this country became an ideological issue and a partisan issue in ways that it shouldn't be. It has become sort of a proxy for arguments about our culture wars. And he went on to propose it would be appropriate to regulate firearms in a manner similar to motor vehicles, stating instead of just t taking a very practical approach like we do, let's say, for example, with car safety, where we say, all right, we've got a bunch of accidents, let's have seat belts, let's make cars safer, let's engineer the roads so we can prevent them. And he emphasized that these motor vehicle efforts are pragmatic. Not exactly, El Presidente. Um, you know, there's that Second Amendment. Owning firearm is a constitutional right, that kind of thing. And this curtails the government from doing things like deciding they're going to regulate them like cars. And he did not acknowledge that gun owners' reluctance to tolerate any new gun control stems, in part from their correct understanding that gun control advocates' stated goal, including that of the Biden-Harris administration, is to ban and confiscate their guns. There's also no recognition that curtailing international acts committed with firearms might require a different mode of thinking than reducing motor vehicle accidents. Now, the flippant gun controllers often cite motor vehicle regulation as a model for firearm regulation without thinking about what that would really mean. Because, for starters, these gun control advocates typically support licensing gun owners and registering guns. Now, 
This may come as news to some, but a person doesn't actually need a license to drive a motor vehicle in America. A person typically only needs a license to drive on the public roadways. And similarly, motor vehicles generally don't need to be registered unless they are going to be used on public roadways. There are no background checks for purchasing a a car and using it on private property. A person can drive as fast as they want on their own private property. A 12-year-old can drive the family truck around their private property. Laws don't mandate a person store their motor vehicle in any particular manner. So, with this insistence that gun owners and guns be treated like drivers and motor vehicles, are gun control advocates conceding that firearms kept in a person's homes or business for self-defense should be wholly unregulated? See, that's a detail of the, the argument that they that just escapes them. They don't even think about this. The closest analog to a driver's license and firearm regulation would be the right to carry permit, as both are for using the related items in public spaces. Now, Obama's home state of Illinois allows a 16-year-old to buy vehicles and obtain a driver's license. In California, illegal aliens can obtain driver's licenses. A state driver's license is good throughout the U.S. If you have a license to drive in the U.S., in any state, you are good to go everywhere. So, would they suggest that we issue and honor carry permits in a similar manner? No. (laughs) So, if you're charitable enough to the former president, you might, you know, one of his analogies could be interpreted to have merit. He noted, let's engineer the road so that we can prevent car accidents. Now, in the firearm context, this would mean shaping the broader society, which guns and law-abiding gun owners traverse, to be safer. This could be accomplished by prosecuting and incapacitating the small and identifiable number of violent criminals who misuse guns. However, this solution is way too pragmatic for the Obama comrades. So, no, they're not going to go that route. No, they're not going to go that route. And this is the problem with gun controllers. They get out there and they say these stupid things. <laughs> they say these stupid things and then they, they don't really even understand what they're talking about. They don't get what they're saying. And uh, that part of it bothers me. That part of it bothers me because what they're actually saying is that we want to control. Uh, see, they think that they, you know, you get to tax cars if they have a tag and all this other stuff. And the, the reason they do some of these things is to know where they are, right? Now, they, there's no plans on, on the uh, books, at least none that I'm aware of, of them to go around confiscating cars. Although they do want to mandate electric cars, but that's that's also a story for another day. But. It's it's one of those, this is where you get out there and you make this straw man argument that is not really what you want to say. It's not, so in, in that sense, it's not even a straw man argument. <laughs> so for those reasons, you know, I, I just sit back and I just find this kind of stuff amusing when we get out here. Because, okay, Obama and I are about the same age. Obama is more educated than I am, no doubt about it. I didn't go to college. So why would an educated man get out there and say something as stupid as that? 
as foolish as that to get out there and because this gets picked apart no matter what anybody says it will get picked apart when you put something out in the public sphere it's going to get picked apart and for that reason I don't know for that reason you should probably think really hard about what you're about to say that, that would be my thought but this is a guy. Yeah, he's he's obviously lost a step since he's been out of the uh, out of the public eye. He's just I, and why he's stepping in now, I don't know. And why he's stepping in with gun control, I certainly do not know because it is not up. It, it's not a thing that's out there. Yeah, they want to pack the court, and yeah, they want to do this, and yeah, they want to do that. And I see all those things, and I'm like, okay. Most of it is just talk at this moment. So. How dangerous is the talk? I don't know. I don't know how dangerous this talk is. I don't think it's going to be that dangerous, but I don't know. So, to that end, like I said, I don't know. But, (laughs) we got this election coming up, and uh, we're going to see what we see. We really need to retake the Senate, and then we need to retake the presidency, and then these guys need to go to work. And they need to put some of this stuff to bed once and for all. And they need to they need to shore up the Supreme Court. And the next time somebody gets out there and tries to go after a justice, they need to really seriously throw the book at him. Really seriously. I don't know, but the apprehension probably needs to be sort of uh, rough. There's no consequence for any of these things they're doing. And we got yahoos like Obama who thinks they can pop up when they want to after they've they've grown tired at uh, Martha's Vineyard, so they got something to say. We'll be right back. This is Lock and Load. They can be used in so many ways. This is gun. Uh, excuse me. This is lock and load. Welcome back. Getting confused. The every town for gun safety. They have gotten out and they've ranked the fifty states on how well they have comported their laws to the organization's civil civilian disarmament agenda. So they describe New Hampshire with its few gun control laws as a national failure. That would probably come as a surprise to the northern New England state, according to CDC homicide mortality data. In 2020 and 2021, pro-Second Amendment New Hampshire had the lowest homicide rate in the nation. In 2020, there were 0.9 homicides per 100,000 residents. In contrast, every town's gun control national leader, New York, experienced 4.7 homicides per 100,000, a rate five times higher than New Hampshire's. Every town's highest-ranking gun control state, California, had a homicide rate of 6.1. 
almost seven times higher than New Hampshire's. Every town, darling, Illinois had a homicide rate of 11.2. And the point is that political actors like every town are going to manipulate the metrics and advance their agenda any way they can. So in recent years, the Democratic enclaves have been conducting an experiment with soft on crime policy. Predictably, the national homicide rate has increased alongside these highly visible efforts because they're happening. These experiments are happening in these big population centers where there's a lot of targets. Understanding that most of the voting public doesn't condone the intentional promotion of lawlessness, some prominent Democrats have attempted to shift the narrative by making misleading claims about homicide in Republican-controlled red states. So according to that talking point, murder rates are worse in these red states. And part of the implication is that the lack of gun control in these states is part of the problem. And it should be noted that New Hampshire has a Republican governor that enacted constitutional carry in 2017, and both houses of the New Hampshire General Court are controlled by Republicans. As the American Enterprise Institute's Mark A. Thiessen pointed out in October 20, 2022, the red state murder claim is bogus. In most of the red states, the higher murder rates are driven by the lethal violence in their blue cities. Missouri is one of the states with a high homicide rate that those on the left have cited to support their thesis, which Thiessen pointed out. Take Missouri. Yes, it voted for Trump, but it is also home to two of the most dangerous U.S. cities, St. Louis and Kansas City, both of which are run by Democrats. According to the FBI, state had about 520 murders in major metropolitan areas that year, 20 in cities outside metropolitan areas, 28 in the non-metropolitan counties. So the vast majority of Missouri's homicides take place in Democrat-run cities. To elaborate on the matter of St. Louis, the gateway to the West homicide rate per 100,000 residents exploded from 64.5 in 2019 to 87.2 in 2020. The homicide rate was far and away the city's highest in the preceding 50 years. And this all came under the tenure of St. Louis Circuit Attorney Kim Gardner, now on, on the job hunt. Elected to office in 2016, she had worked to reform the city's criminal justice system, placing her at odds with city law enforcement. And she got a lot of support from George Soros. And as Politico reported back in 2016, Soros is engaged in a wide-ranging effort to remake the U.S. criminal justice system by electing activist prosecutors throughout the country. Research from the Manhattan Institute also undermines the left-wing red state murder factoid. In May of 2022, they published a report examining the 2020 homicide spike using county-level data. They found that counties with a higher share of GOP voters not only had a lower homicide rate, but also a lower growth in homicide rates between 2019 and 2020. We also find that there is no statistically significant relationship between the growth in the homicide rate and either the number of COVID-19 deaths or the number of guns sold per capita. And then the Heritage Foundation got a hold of this, and they came out with the Blue City murder problem. And they examined the 30 cities with the highest homicide rates in the nation. They found 27 have Democratic mayors, and within those 30 cities, there are at least 14 Soros-backed or Soros-inspired rogue prosecutors. And to show the impact 
that the blue cities have on the homicide rate in red states. They recalculated several states' homicide rates when high-crime Democrat-dominated cities and counties were removed from the equation. In the case of Missouri, it pointed out that the elected officials in the city of St. Louis, Missouri, are all Democrats. The 28 members of the Board of Aldermen are all Democrats, as are Circuit Attorney, the equivalent of a local district attorney, Kim Gardner, and Mayor Tashara Jones. St. Louis County is equally lopsided with elected Democrats, including five of the seven members of the County Council and District Attorney Wesley Bell. They went on to point out that St. Louis and St. Louis County heavily influenced the state's homicide rate, having 46.235 and 14.387 homicides per 100,000 residents, respectively. Removing St. Louis lowers the state's homicide rate from 9.363 to 7.482 per 100,000, a 20.09% in reduction. Removing St. Louis County uh, lowers it then to 8.395, which is a 10% reduction. While dropping both counties reduces the state's homicide rate by 35.17% to 6.07 homicides per 100,000 residents, removing both counties drops Missouri's homicide ranking from 5th to 20th in the nation. Drilling down further shows that violent crime is concentrated both geographically and within social networks, even within cities. So smearing the red jurisdiction to try to blame the crime wave on a lack of gun control is very much beyond misleading. But then again, it's sort of the point. Because once again, they can't win based on their argument. They just can't. (laughs) They just can't make it happen. And therein lies their problem. Because right now we get to see in real time what their policies mean. And we get to see in these blue cities, too. I mean, the fact that they're within a red state, so-called red state. I don't think of them as red states. Uh, the fact that they're in there, though, does not mean that the state itself is due to the gun is due to the gun control. It's due to the crime. Or lack of gun control, rather. It's due to the crime in the cities where it's tolerated. Where crime is not tolerated, it's, it's not prolific. Where crime is tolerated, it is very prolific. And this is something they know, they know. But now this is something that you know, and this is something a lot of people have known over the course of time. It is nothing new. This is nothing. This is no startling revelation that I bring to you. This is just simply the way it has always been. Where you do not tolerate this kind of behavior, you have less of this kind of behavior. It will move to where it can go. It will move to where it can prosper and flourish. And if you don't allow it to, if you make your area a non-permissive environment for them, well, they're going to go looking for a, uh, you know, greener grass. We'll be right back. This is Lock and Load.
five years, Aero Precision has paved the way as a leading manufacturer of American-made AR parts. Aero Precision caters to the rifle builder by engineering quality receivers, hand guards, and other essential parts. Aero Precision's added enhancements create a smooth build process from start to finish for beginners and seasoned builders. Whether this is your first rifle or your 50th, Aero Precision offers everything you need to make a quality AR at an affordable price. In the 21st century, the handgun has become the preeminent self-defense tool. At CNH Precision, we specialize in taking your weapon to the highest degree of functionality possible. With a complete array of goods and services specializing in red dot sight installation, CNH Precision will help you realize the most effective handgun the first time. If you need slide milling, installation, or accessories, go to chpws.com. CNH Precision, welcome to the Boom Squad. At Chambers Custom, we have one job. We strive to build the most obsessively reliable, accurate, and beautiful pistols for the discriminating gun owner. Using the ageless 1911 design with a 21st century approach to each part and component, Chambers Custom meticulously begins each pistol as a standalone project, creating a bespoke, handcrafted, peerless firearm. They integrate all of the internal, external, and intrinsic elements that make a custom 1911 unique. Go to ChambersCustom.com. Chambers Custom, truly the mechanical advantage. At Spikes Tactical, we are all shooters with a very simple mission. Make the best product we can perfect at the best possible price for our consumers. We strive to produce the best components and rifles available with quality control second to none because real-world events don't allow for a second chance. Whether you are an operator, competitor, or home defender, Spikes Tactical will serve you well. Go to SpikesTactical.com. Spikes Tactical, 100% American-made to the highest standard. No such thing as a fair fight. And we bring the unfair advantage that is the 2011 platform. Dominate. At Staccato, we know the most important gun you own is the one that you're carrying when you're facing that threat to life and freedom. Win. We want you to enter that objective confidence that you are carrying the best gun in the gunfight. No compromise. No sacrifice. Staccato2011.com. Stand ready to face down the darkness with 2011. Holster.com, the home of DeSantis Quality built American-made products for 45-plus years. Supporting police and government contracts from first responders to responsible citizens. Holster.com is your source for quality American-made leather and Kydex holsters for the armed American. For concealed carry or open carry, Holster.com has what you need. We didn't invent concealment. We perfected it. Go to Holster.com now and buy a DeSantis holster today. What's in a name? If that name is Ace Firearms, you've just entered a very expensive business. First, a fully appointed gun shop with all the guns, ammo, and accessories you could possibly imagine. But then you enter the manufacturing facility that is home to Red Alligator Concealment, Militia Arms Customs, and so much more. Ace Firearms is beyond a simple gun shop. This is a totally peerless operation. To find out more, go to acefirearms.com. Ace Firearms. This is only the beginning. At MGS, we have what it takes to reinvent yourself. With a curriculum designed to balance work, family, and a gun repair education, MGS provides the gateway into one of the fastest-growing segments of the gun industry. Modern Gun School's mission is to provide high-quality distance education using time-tested materials and hands-on projects designed to develop a proficiency in both the technique and the business of gunsmithing. Go to mgs.edu. MGS Trade School. Your future is waiting.
let's call this the awakening of the so uh, about the so-called woke. Uh, this is lock and load. Police forces in several major cities are experiencing wokeness attrition, which means they're just quitting. And in some progressive-led jurisdictions, prosecutors are also quitting. We've seen a lot of that in St. Louis already with old Kim Gardner. There were a lot of guys leaving her behind. A report by the Manhattan Institute released earlier this year described the impact of this these new criminal procedure rules from progressives for prosecutors in New York State. Very burdensome. Mandatory compliance requirements in the new rules created a staffing and functioning crisis in the prosecutor's offices. And district attorneys decided that a job with so much clerical drudgery and so little gratification is not worth the low pay and the long hours. So between spring of 2021 and spring of 2022 alone, Manhattan and Brooklyn, East, they each lost about a fifth of their prosecutors. A trend that has continued in the six months since. Across the entire state, numerous DAs report record 40% attrition rates and unfillable vacancies. And this is because nobody signs on to do this stuff. Nobody signs on to be a part of agenda. A lot of people decide to go into law because they want to uphold the law. They're sort of idealistic. Some people go to it just because of the money. No doubt about it. But it's such a detailed technical field to be in that... uh when you get a really good lawyer out there, he's going to go places, he or she. A Cook County, Illinois prosecutor who quit after 20 years as a felony trial attorney also blames progressive political agendas. His farewell email to coworkers explains that while he felt truly honored to work with such an incredible group of people, policies that enabled and encouraged criminals and endangered his own family were the reason he could not stay. He could no longer live there. just wasn't safe anymore for him. He said the simple fact is that this state and county have set themselves on a course to disaster. And the worst part is that the agency for which I work has backed literally every policy change that had the predictable and predicted outcome of more crime and more people getting hurt. These policies include bond reforms that kept defendants out of jail pending trial, shorter parole periods, lower sentences for repeat offenders, a malicious and unnecessary prosecution of law enforcement officers, overuse of diversion programs, and intentionally not pursuing prosecutions for crimes lawfully on the books. He said, we live in a society with adversarial court and criminal justice processes where each side, the defense and the prosecution, act as advocates respectively for the defendant and crime victims and the public order. Once we start doing too much of the defense's job, once we pull our punches, and once we decide that it's worth risking citizens' lives to have a little social experiment, the balance between protecting rights and preserving order and safety is gone. The result is less safety and increased crime. And then they wonder why they cannot retain experienced prosecutors or even hire new ones, and it's because any true prosecutor recognizes the importance of this balance that they will not be permitted to be a prosecutor under this administration. He further says he is leaving his home state of Illinois as my own employer has turned it into a place where I'm no longer proud to be and in which my son is not safe. In Missouri, State Attorney General Andrew Bailey initiated legal proceedings to remove Circuit Attorney Kim Gardner, who is now gone. Um, and she alleged she had knowingly and willfully failed to do her duties as a prosecutor. She uh, 
she dismissed 12,000 cases in her time there. 12,000 cases. 12,000. She was a Soros-supported Democrat, as I've said over and over again, described on her re-election campaign website how she took over an office primarily focused on charges, cases, and convictions. It was an office that adhered to the tough-on-crime mantra, which led to skyrocketing incarceration, but not to any crime reduction. So then she decided to transform it. And uh, since she, she has since announced that she's going to resign, but it's interesting to inquire what her transformation accomplished. Um, after her election, she reached out to the Vera Institute for uh, <laughs> assistance in transforming her office. The Vera Institute supports prosecuting attorneys that it identifies as reform prosecutors. Based on their recommendations... She allegedly dismissed approximately 25,000 pending criminal cases and going forward arbitrarily applied the wrong standard of proof in making her change charging decisions, including in cases where she has reason to believe that a crime has been committed. Further alleged that she calls turnover of assistant city attorneys in record numbers with at least 85 assistant circuit attorneys resigning or being fired in a three-year period, representing an extraordinary level of turnover caused by the toxic and dysfunctional work environment. Another source indicates that Gardner came into office with about 60 attorneys just one year after she took over. The 32nd staff member had left. (laughs) And uh, after six years of dysfunction, only about 20 attorneys remain in the circuit attorney's office. An April news report stated that there were only two remaining prosecutors currently handling cases in the office, with one defense attorney saying it is literally like working at a dumpster fire. Now, to be fair, this may have had a lot more to do just with the way she ran her department than the fact that she was a progressive. And even so, for the residents of St. Louis, the ultimate result of her tenure appears to be a public safety train wreck. It describes an eight-month or so backlog of unprocessed warrant applications, a further 2,735 criminal cases dismissed by the courts, mostly due to a failure to prosecute. It just didn't show up. She failed to comply with speedy trial requirements. She failed to comply with discovery obligations. And there was a sharp decline in the number of felony and misdemeanor prosecutions, consistently ranked among the nation's most dangerous cities. That is St. Louis. And it remains to be seen whether this state of disarray in prosecutors' offices will continue to play out across the country. And who wins when the demand for law enforcement exceeds capacity isn't the ordinary responsible citizen but the criminal class? Less arrests, less prosecutions. That means less consequences for the lawlessness. This is why in these big population centers, homicide is so gigantic. Period. That, that's all there is. That's, that's all there is to it. And uh, we'll see. We're going to see. I, I don't know who they're going to replace her with. You know, they chased uh, Chase Bodine out of San Francisco. And now Mitchell, uh, I think her name is Mitchell. She's supposedly in place and supposedly she's trying to do something about it. But, I mean, San Francisco's done. She can come in and she can be she can be Batman. And they're done. 
it is it it is truly and I, I I'm sad about it. I've never been there. I'm very sad about it though. I like to ride bikes. And it was always my desire to ride some of those streets of San Francisco. Because it is so storied and so legendary, right? And I've said lots of films have been done in San Francisco. All of the Dirty Harry movies have been done. Bullet. You know, those were in the old days when it was truly. It was actually more of a solid city than it is now. Now. Now it's, uh, you know, San Francisco is basically an open air market for drugs. <laughs> and that's 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 just the thing. That's just the thing. This is what this kind of soft on crime approach does. And in the interim, who's suffering? Well, just the people that live there. Just the people that pay the bills and all the other stuff. All the things. So. If it wasn't so tragic for the people that live there, it would be hilarious on some scale. Since I'm one of these guys that's out there and I believe in conservatism and personal responsibility. And then you see this nonsense where they believe in letting the bad guys out. We'll be right back. This is Lock and Load. back this is lock and load things must be bad in New York State if Democrat politicians are talking up their commitment to public safety like Kathy Hochul there is no greater obligation than ensuring every New Yorker can live in safety and that has always been my number one priority and she added that the era of defunding the police is over All the while, the gov and like-minded politicians there look for innovative new ways to disarm innocent citizens and flout the Bruin decision. All while that's happening, news of the horrifying crimes in New York City continue to dominate headlines. One case is the Fox News weatherman who says he is lucky to be alive after being badly beaten by a gang of Utes on a New York City subway train. That guy, Adam Klotz, intervened uh, after seeing a gang of around seven teenagers harass an elderly passenger. One of the gang lit a joint, then placed the lighter against the passenger's hair. He said it blew up like a matchbox. His entire head was on fire, and they decided, all right, he's not going to get it. Then you're going to get it. And the boy did. They give it to me. Three of the alleged attackers, aged between 15 and 17 years old, were apprehended and arrested, although they were released without charges. Klotz called on uh, New York City uh, Mayor Eric Adams to do something more long-term so this won't happen to somebody else. I want someone to be held responsible, but really, really what I want is some sort of change. Well, that may be coming, but it's not the kind of change that will lift the hearts of the beleaguered New Yorkers. 
A recent report by the Manhattan Institute suggests that the criminal justice system of the Big Apple and the state more generally is inching towards catastrophic on the meter. The January 19th report destroyed by discovery how New York State's discovery law destabilizes the criminal justice system, analyzing the impact of new criminal procedure rules that went into effect in January of 2020. Under these progressive discovery rules, Article 245 of that state's criminal procedure law, prosecutors now have an enumerated list of automatically discoverable material to be collected regardless of whether it is actively requested by the defense or the likelihood that a case will go to trial. They also must collect and share almost all material related to a criminal case with the defendant as soon as practicable after arraignment, but no later than 20 days, if the defendant is in custody and otherwise within 35 days. So prosecutors have these rules that they have to meet, these deadlines they have to meet, and they're scrambling. They have to review and redact discovery materials, and, and they have to do it and complete the job within the allotted time, allotted time. And the effect of the rules is amplified by the state's speedy trial law, pursuant to which prosecutors have to be ready to proceed to trial on a case by a legislated deadline, depending on the nature of the charges. Now, if you have a defendant accused of one or more offenses, including at least one felony, the deadline is within six months of commencing the criminal action. Non-compliance on the part of the prosecution results in dismissal on the charges, which sounds a lot like St. Louis. According to the report, the discovery burden has been so time-consuming that they're running out their entire speedy trial time windows in the process in cases that would otherwise be prosecuted to trial are just getting dismissed. Just dismissed. In the five counties of New York City, for example, for instance, dismissals of criminal cases rose from 44% to 69% from 2019 to 2021 for misdemeanor dispositions, which were deprioritized relative to felonies. Dismissals rose from 49% to a whopping 82% in 2021. So the new rules are a heavy finger on the scale that favors defendants, which is, you know, exactly what the guy in Chicago was talking about, right? Left there. So, and the odds being pretty good the defenders will walk at the end of the the day. So, given that somebody can be arrested nowadays, and if they don't make it to trial, then it just gets dismissed, and they're out there back on the street, uh, arrests are beginning to there's a chilling effect on arrests because the police are not getting witness cooperation anymore why would somebody cooperate with the cops when the guy that they're trying to put away is going to be back on, on the street when they fail to meet a certain deadline why would they do that <laughs> and previously and well, let me let me let me set this a, bit, a little bit. Compliance with the new rules involves disclosure of witness statements recorded during the investigations. Previously, that did not need to be turned over to the defense until the commencement of the trial. Prior to the trial, now all of that has to be turned over. So this disclosure and the new revolving door bail reform laws, where they are unlikely to be detained on in pretrial custody. Let's just say this undermines the willingness of citizens to get involved when their own personal safety may be jeopardized by a vengeful offender. And it will just be another crime to get dismissed or downgraded. 
And this this continues on and on unabated because there is there's no reason for them to believe that some New York resident, some New York City resident, is going to pop up and have a weapon and, and shoot them because that's not allowed. One possible proxy measure of witness reluctance, according to the report, is the change in arrest numbers. Adult felony arrests fell by 14% between 2019 and 2021, even while felony crime shot up astronomically. The rise was especially pronounced in categories where witnesses were most often pivotal, or pivotal, excuse me. It also notes other far-reaching impacts of the discovery statute in the context of the progressive depolicing and non-prosecution policy of the last few years. And the failure to prosecute misdemeanors like shoplifting and petty theft and fair evasion and trespass and public nuisances means communities are losing access to things like pharmacies and other businesses that cannot withstand the losses. They're suffering increased public transit crime which is something they were told they would be able to use to make it easy to get around in the city. You don't have to have a car. We got this. You know? And they're losing the opportunity to prevent more serious crimes. There, there, there's almost always a misdemeanor trial before a homicide. Or trail, rather. Excuse me. So the report points to a report reported 70% of serious crashes in New York City that now involve drivers with suspended licenses or who are drunk and or speeding, a crime for which they are no longer consistent consequences or deterrence. So, as they conclude, what they've figured out is that the discovery reform has had a very deeply destabilizing effect on the New York criminal justice system and effect without hyperbole is creating a staffing and functioning crisis in the prosecutor's offices and is diverting limited police resources to searching for, collecting, reviewing, and producing materials for prosecutors when they should be patrolling streets and subways. Unfortunately, Andy Gunn, Mayor Adams, has already gone on the record as being adamantly opposed to the possibility that public safety would benefit by law-abiding citizens being armed. He said, when you look at people who state that you're safer because a civilian or an innocent person is carrying a gun, it's just not true. Some New York City merchants who can afford it have recruited their own private security team to cope with the crime and constant theft. These unarmed ambassadors are expected to deter would-be criminals and flag suspicious activity along a commercial corridor in the Bronx. But they're basically finding themselves in a no-win situation. The justice system is just not cooperating, and it's getting to a point where you either have to padlock every item that has to be stolen, or you have to fight back. And if you fight back, you take the risk of going to jail for protecting your property. Desperate residents in this real-life Gotham, the victims of the runaway progressivism, have very few options apart from beaming up a bat signal. And in the meantime, the politicians in place, which will be re-elected yet again, will almost certainly use the rampant crime and violence to justify even more restrictions on the position, possession excuse me, and use of firearms by responsible citizens. And crime will continue to go up. And everything will continue to get worse. And nothing will change. Oh, but they'll go after Daniel, you know, Daniel Penny for defending himself. Defense is not, defense is not allowed in these places. Because you've got too many elitists in place getting out there and saying, well, you know, you can't do this and you can't do that. 
So, <laughs> once again, these are great metropolises that I would love to visit on a regular basis that I'm never going to go to. Hour number three is inbound. This is Lock and Load. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. <laughs> 